0: You are listening to the Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Aaron, welcome to Real Faith Stories. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. Yeah, thank you for having me. We're going to start at the beginning. Like when you were born. How about that?
1: That is the beginning. That's perfect.
0: And move into some amazing things that God has led you into with respect to giving and really ultimately just saying yes to Him. So please share from the beginning and let's walk through where you are up to today.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I'm 34. So the very amazing year of 1988. Was born, but grew up in a Christian home. And parents were in church, grandfather was a pastor. So all I knew was the Lord and always grew up with the sense that ministry and following the Lord was, was normal and it wasn't designed just for pastors. My dad was not a pastor, but heavily involved in church and ministry. My mom as well. And so to me, ministry was just common. It was normal. It's what everybody should do. So uh, I grew up with a passion though for business, making money. And the Lord had multiple prophetic words spoken over me from the time I was probably 12, 13, multiple times through my teenage years. And um, that kind of really steered me and the focus on the business side and also still kind of focused on ministry side. Got into politics in my early 20s, ran for offices, helped run campaigns, helped start businesses, run businesses, just kind of was all over the place. And also heavily involved in ministry, was on the worship team, leading worship, helping lead conferences, speaking, and got into the investment world around 21, 22, and felt like that was where the Lord was leading me into. But then at the age of 26, also became a senior pastor and was kind of doing both at the same time, really praying that one would fail so that I could just focus on one (laughs) because I didn't know which one I was supposed to do. Didn't really want to do ministry because they were always overworked and underpaid. And I felt like that was going to be hard for me to do what the Lord called me to do if I was a pastor. But God really blessed both areas and ended up buying the investment firm I was working at, at when I was 30 and I kept pastoring the church, started a nonprofit. But kind of all through that phase, I men, so many different spots where the Lord taught me and trained me and multiple faith moments along the way. I mean, whether you're a pastor, a business owner, running a nonprofit, or even just a parent. Shoot! Just as being a parent, you wake up every day needing to have faith.
0: uh, Tell me about it, parent your children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let me pause on something here. The multiple prophetic words you got when you were preteen. What were the essence of those words that were spoken to you? I'm curious, Aaron.
1: Yeah, I mean, probably one that really stands out the most is I was 12 or 13. There was a conference at our church by a guy very wealthy, wrote a bunch of books, and was there to do like a, a finance conference at our church, and I got asked to be in the nursery. And I was like, man, of all times, this is the thing that I want to do, but I got asked to be in the nursery. Yeah. And so I just asked the Lord, I said, God, this is something you really want me to do. If you really ask want me to make money, then I want this guy to call me out of the nursery and prophesy over me over the whole church. And so I was working in the nursery and probably about, and I, w- I was drumming. I was a really good drummer. So I was even at that age, I was drumming for our church. And so Done playing the drums, went to the nursery, and probably 20 30 minutes in, my brother comes running in. He's like, Hey, he's asking for somebody named Aaron, and you're the only Aaron. And so, came out of the nursery, he just prophesied over me and that I was going to be in business, I was going to make money. And kind of the main thing that he spoke was, I was going to be the treasurer of heaven and was going to help funnel finances and resources to advancing the kingdom of God. When I first got that, I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Like I'm going to make lots of money. What I didn't realize was what the Lord was going to teach me was not the making money part. It was going to be the giving part. And actually a few years later at the age of 16, the Lord spoke to me. One of the really the first times I remember hearing the Lord speak to me clearly He told me to give away all my favorite clothes.
0: Give me the context on that, Aaron.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, the Lord speaks in multiple ways and I think one of the easiest ways for the Lord to begin to speak to, especially when we're young, is with resources. Where your treasure is, there your heart. We also also we know we know that verse, but I think the Lord wants to begin to see if our heart belongs to Him. So He'll He'll touch on those things. And for me, it had to it started with clothes, and the Lord just spoke to me. I don't I don't remember when or how, but I just remember the Lord came and said, "I want you to give away all, all your favorite clothes." And so I did. Uh, I gave them all the way. Thankfully, I had my non-favorite clothes still, so I wasn't running around with no clothes on. But <laughs> I didn't get any. I didn't get any clothes in return. Like I just, I didn't have a job, so I just wore the clothes I didn't want to wear. And then a couple of years later, at eighteen, the Lord spoke to me to give away my car. And first, I thought it was the devil. But then he kept speaking to me, so I gave away my car, and I fully expected, you'll laugh at this, fully expected that there would be a Hummer with a boat in my driveway the (laughs) next morning when I woke up with a note from the Lord saying, well done, good and faithful servant. But there was no Hummer, no boat, and definitely no note. And it really began to teach me that I wasn't giving to get anything in return,
0: but it was a privilege to give. So he was really, at that age, impressing very deeply upon your heart the reality of obedience.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, again, the Lord does this in all ways. He does this when you're walking in the grocery store and you should walk over to that person to pray for him, mm. lay your hands on them and watch them be healed. And how many times do we say no? Well, when we're young, we have not grown accustomed to saying no. And we've also not grown accustomed to ignoring that voice.
0: Mm, that's good.
1: And for many of us, it's You know, it's telling the person who's in the grocery store about Jesus, or it's giving away money, or it's praying for somebody, or whatever it is, or it's just loving a neighbor. And at that age, I was just very sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit because of the family I grew up in, the church I was a part of. I always wanted to have a life where I said yes to the Lord. And so the Lord, yeah, really started me on that journey. I mean, throughout my 20s, I got married at 21, the Lord would ask my wife and I to help somebody... Buy a house and we wanted to buy our own house. He asked us, you know, help give a car away to somebody. He kind of just kept teaching us. There was one point where we weren't we stopped tithing because we didn't agree with how the money was being spent at the church we were part of. And the Lord had to walk us through that. It wasn't about faith at that point, it was about obedience and honoring the principles of scripture. And uh, we weren't giving so that we could control where it was. We were giving without any strings attached. So the Lord was just kind of teaching us all through that journey, and it kind of led up to this point where it was a, a few years ago, so maybe four or five years ago, I was in Texas, and I was staying at actually Chris Donald's house, who you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we were getting ready to go to T.D. Jake's church. Sunday morning. One of my heroes growing up listened to him preach, and it was amazing. In the middle of the night, the Lord woke me up, and my wife and I, we had just started saving for our dream house. And The Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, and he said, I want you to take all of your house savings money, and I want you to start a nonprofit. I want you to call it 33rd Company, and I want you to put all that money in there. And The goal is to take the kingdom of God to the most dangerous and unreached places. Woke up not knowing what that was all about. Thought that was crazy. Told Chris on the way to church like man this is nuts well i'm sitting in there and uh, in this church service one of the most amazing church services i've ever been in it was incredible and td jake stops in the middle of the service and he says hey there's somebody here god spoke to you in the middle of the night to do something and you've been questioning whether it was the lord or not i'm here today to tell you it was the lord and you need to do it so which was crazy just that td jake's prophesied him he didn't know he was but he was yeah and, uh, so went went home told my wife she was all for it so we took this money which wasn't a lot, but we opened up this nonprofit and we did it with Chris and uh, that was it. It was just kind of sat there. And the Lord spoke to me a couple of days later, said, now I want you to commit to giving. And I'll say this number because sometimes in church, we don't say numbers because we're scared, but I like to say numbers because it builds people's faith. So the Lord told us that next year, we need to give $50,000 to this nonprofit. And I was like, Lord, I don't. I don't have the ability to do that. He's like, that's okay. I need you to commit to doing it and I'll provide the money. And so that was January of 2019, a business, the investment firm I was a part of three months later, it was offered to me to buy it three months after I committed to giving that money. And uh, it was supposed to be five or six years out and the Lord accelerated it. And my income for about four or five years doubled every year. And every year the Lord come to me and basically asked me to double what I gave the previous year. And so we, kept giving more, and every time we would commit to giving it, the Lord would increase what we had, and we started it. We didn't know why we were putting money into this pot, and all of a sudden, the Lord would bring us relationships, brought us relationship in Iraq, and started doing events in Iraq and advancing the kingdom of God there with some incredible people who have been there for many years, and then opened the door for us to do a bunch of work in Pakistan, where we people on staff in Pakistan, 11 pastors, pastoring a great move of God in the southern region that basically all these villages of four or 500 people that have never heard the name of Jesus doing crusades down there and just really seeing a great move of God in Pakistan, the opening up a door to Israel, opening up a door to Japan. And then the Lord kind of gave Chris, who started 33rd with us, a blueprint to train the everyday believer to be on mission everywhere they go. And uh, we have a, a vision of hiring 50 to 100 evangelists that go from church to church, raising up evangelistic culture in that body, teaching the people how to be on mission every day. And and we've been seeing that. We've got a great tool called Belong where we disciple new believers. It's in many churches in America. And, and it all was because you just stepped out in faith. And, you know, it's the story of the five loaves and the two fish in the little boy's hand. It was a Jewish Happy Meal. But when you put it in the hands of Jesus, it fed 15,000 people. We just put a little bit of money in and God's used it to see tens and tens of thousands of people saved over the last couple of years. We have multiple evangelists on staff.
0: Incredible,
1: Big teams seeing people saved every day, all the time. And so when you talk about faith, faith is just a seed. And every time you take a step of faith, you're planting that seed into the soil of the kingdom of God. In your own hand, that seed is incapable of growing, but it can be multiplied when it's planted in the right soil. And that's all of step of faith really is. It's just planting the, that power that's in faith
0: into the soil of the Lord. So someone listening to this is probably thinking, okay, I know the Lord's nudging me. He's telling me to do X, but I'm feeling fear around this. What would you say to somebody who's thinking that right now?
1: Well, first of all, fear is not in you. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Fear is outside of you. So to me, when I feel fear, it's an invitation for me to walk through something right god is not giving you a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind so for some of us we need to have deliverance from fear but once you've been set free the bible says that it's not freedom once you get to heaven but you can be free right now when i feel fear generally it's an indicator of an invitation from the lord because the devil's trying to stop me from walking in my destiny that takes wisdom as well there's a balance but look let's use the analogy of peter and the boat we love to talk about peter walking on the water But we never talk about the 11 disciples who didn't. I mean, think about that for a moment. I mean, if you or I were sitting there, we were John or Andrew or the other guys, and we saw Peter walk on water, and then you would think one of us would have been like, hey, coach, put me in. Like, I'll do it, and I won't sink. I'll keep my eyes on you. But they didn't. They stayed in the safety of that boat. Well, for me, I've just chosen to say I'd rather drown in those waters of the supernatural than stay safe in that boat another day. And I want to stay comfortable in the unfamiliar. I want to stay comfortable in a place where I can't do things on my own. That's what faith is. Faith is outside stepping into a decision or a conversation or a relationship or a business that you can't do on your own. It's when we partner with the supernatural. And so for somebody, maybe it's not giving, maybe it's you need to forgive somebody. And that takes a massive amounts of faith. This is the beautiful partnership we have with the Holy Spirit, is that he comes inside of you to equip you with grace, supernatural grace, to empower you to do things that we can't do ourselves. And when we get into his presence, he gives us the faith to say, no, I'd rather step on those waters, even if it doesn't go the way I want it to. I'd rather be out there with him than in the safety of the boat by myself.
0: As you find yourself counseling people, Aaron, in their walk with the Lord around this whole space... What type of advice do you tend to dispense most often about this?
1: Simply, I'd probably just say, always say yes. I mean, we are really good at saying no. We're really bad at saying yes. I'll be transparent. One of the areas that 33rd Company focuses on is evangelism, but that's not one of my greatest strengths. And I'm really good at saying no when the Lord nudges me. The Lord spoke to me a couple months ago that I had to tell somebody about Jesus one person every day. And immediately as soon as he spoke it to me, I was like thinking of every way I could get out of it. And I ordered DoorDash almost every day for lunch. So I save time. I don't go out. And immediately the Lord was like, well, every DoorDash driver you preach the gospel to. I can't get out of it. And I immediately I'd be like, well, I'll get on the phone when I know the DoorDash drivers come in. So I, I can't speak to them."
0: You're negotiating.
1: I was. I was out thinking the Lord, trying to at least. And eventually you just have to make the commitment to say, no, nah,
0: I'm going to
1: say yes there's got to be a resolve in our hearts where we say I'm not going to say no any longer. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to obey the Lord. That's got to come from somewhere. It's it's the same feeling that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had like, you know what? Even if it doesn't work, I won't bow. Even if God doesn't save me, it had to be the same thing that Hannah had when she went to go pray for a son like she Stood up from the table in First Samuel, which is a great picture. She's just like, enough is enough. She went to the house of the Lord. She began to pray. That resolve was in there like, I'm, I'm not leaving till I get my miracle. Mm-hmm. There, there's got to be that element of resolve, that faith to be like, all right, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to believe.
0: You know, that word resolve is so powerful. And help me out with respect to your mindset on this, Aaron. I think many of us as believers feel as though we're going to magically have this sense of resolve, when in fact, in my experience, it is truly a choice. And it's something that doesn't necessarily come with this automatic, yeah, I resolve, I make a commitment, but there still have to be in the midst of that commitment being resolved. Is that fair?
1: Look, I struggle with my resolve on a regular basis. Any leader, any pastor, goes through seasons where they struggle with their resolve. But this is why we, we have find strength in the scripture that says, in my weakness, he is strong. In my weakness, his power is made perfect. No great leader, nobody that you look up to never struggles with resolve. It, nobody ever is fully convinced all the time. We all struggle with it. Why? Because the Lord's asking us to do things that we don't think we're capable of. Mm-hmm. Look, I don't ever want to find myself in a place where, Everything my hand is doing, I got. I don't like that. That That's too safe. I want to be in a place, and every leader you look up to wants to be in a place where we find ourselves outside of our own abilities. That's where faith comes in. That's where the supernatural, that's where the partnering with the Holy Spirit comes in. This is, as believers, where we should aspire to live. In, that, in those waters, as Peter was on those waters, where we could sink or we could walk upon them. I want to find myself there where It's natural to feel like I'm out of place. It's natural to feel like I'm incapable. It's natural because that's where he comes in. That's where that partnership comes in. So the struggle is constant. That's why we need daily encounters with the Lord where he constantly fills us back up. He reminds us where we remind ourselves we're not doing this on our own. We're not doing this for our own credit. We're doing this through him. And faith fills our heart to get back up, to keep running. But it's it's a battle every day that's why we must meet with him daily
0: well speaking of meeting with him daily what does that look like for you and how has that evolved over the years
1: yeah great question well i'm a i mean our vision at our church here our vision with our family is we must have daily encounters with the lord my 11 year old does daily encounters with the lord so it's not age related Every one of us connects with God differently. Multiple different ways we can connect with the Lord. Not everybody connects with the Lord by waking up at 5 a.m. with a highlighter and a cup of coffee in the Bible. Some of us need to move. Some of us do it in nature. Learning how you best connect with God is important. And there's, we've got assessments you can take to, to learn how to do that. But for me, I need every day to spend time in worship and in prayer meditation with the Lord. I need to remind myself of the prophetic words over my life. I spend time getting my eyes off of what's in front of me and on him. And maybe that's what I would say first and foremost is my daily encounter is not lifting up prayers to the Lord. My daily encounter is spending time with a person, and that's Jesus. Most of what it is is simply being in his presence, spending time worshiping him, listening to him, being silent, and doing my best to, to encounter the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, not not send up a list of
0: prayers. As you survey your life. What are one or two experiences you had were just utterly mind-blowing and that you were absolutely like, oh, I know I need to do this, I'm going to step into it, but I feel like I'm like Indiana Jones, I'm stepping off into this black hole. And maybe there's a lot of those, but what springs to mind?
1: You know, I'll share one which might seem a little weird, but seven years ago, actually February 26th, my wife and I, we lost our son. And uh, we were in the hospital. My wife was full term, basically. And all of a sudden, she stopped for the baby move. I mean, ready to give birth within days. And uh, ran to the hospital, did a C section. Baby was born without a heartbeat. And for three days, we stayed in that hospital room praying that my son would come back to life. And people calling in over the phone, churches all over the, the world really praying for us. And For those three days, I remember at the beginning, I I went home just for a brief moment and went into my son's room, and I just prayed I said, God, help me to learn everything I can in this moment so I never have to go through this again. And we brought a big boombox. That's when boomboxes were still in existence. (laughs) And we brought it into the hospital room, and we blared worship music for three days. That entire maternity ward heard us worshiping jesus with a dead baby in our room and they would put our son in the refrigerator at night so his body would not decompose and they'd bring him back in during the daytime and the entire time we worshiped we praised the lord and we thanked him in the midst of pain and heartache the worst moment anybody would could go through your your child is dead there and yet we found peace and joy and what could have torn a marriage apart My wife and I became closer than we ever had before. Our faith grew, even though we walked out of that hospital without a living baby. It did something inside of both of us where we realized, man, our faith is not dictated based upon our experiences. My son could die, yet my faith should remain. I could give and get nothing back, yet my faith should remain. I could do anything the Lord asks me to do. And the end result be different than what I expect. Yet my faith should remain. My faith should never be dictated based upon the end result. Man, that changed both of us, my wife and I so incredibly. When it just, it just, it dug a well, you couldn't dig another way where we can resource from an experience like that to realize, first of all, when you step in faith and you step into the supernatural, you have no control over the end result. I mean, you, you do these faith podcasts all the time and you're talking to people who see great miracles. They had no control over that. They only had control over one thing, their simple step of faith. So I could lay hands on 100 dead people, none of them recover, but it shouldn't shake my faith that I'm called to see dead people rise. What my success should be defined as, did I say yes? Did I walk over to that person and share Jesus with them? I can't make their heart be open, but I can share Jesus. Did I walk over to that person and lay hands on them and pray that they would recover I can't make them get healed, but I can say yes. I can't make this money do something in the world, but I can give it. I can say yes. That's all the only thing I can be responsible for. So faith is simply saying yes. It's I got no control over the end result.
0: Yeah, when it's all said and done, did you say yes? Right. What direction are you pointed in now with respect to life and business?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're all interwoven. I I feel like the Lord has really asked us as as a ministry to focus on hiring evangelists to impact multiple nations to see multiple local churches see evangelism grow to to do many great things. but if I'm being honest at the end of the day, stewarding my family is equally as important as stewarding that ministry so my job is a matter of where is my feet planted and how am I stewarding that well so me sharing with you great successes happening in Iraq is, to me, insignificant compared to my son waking up and setting his alarm at 5.30 to spend 30 minutes with Jesus. So great moments to, to celebrate, and that's what people love. But my wife and I encountering the Lord together, or my five-year-old memorizing Scripture verses, the Bible talks about who will entrust to you the true riches if you won't steward the unrighteous mammon well. Unrighteous mammon, we know, is resources. It's the natural. True riches is eternal. So true riches are that's disciples, that's cities, that's seeing my children know that's a healthy marriage. And the Lord's like, your unrighteous mammon, the natural, that's training ground for the supernatural. So the things that we look over, the car that we don't take care of, that's running on fumes and we never change the oil and that looks like trash on the inside. That's training ground for God. Why, why would he trust you with a person if he can't trust you with a car? You know, when he takes the, the story of the talents in scripture and the person who had five talents, he, he said, now I'm going to give you five cities to be over. So the reward for faithfulness in the natural is to share in the king's authority in the supernatural. And I believe that All these different things that the Lord puts in our path that we overlook is oftentimes the training ground for him to say, now I can entrust to you things that are are much greater on on scale, but we overlook them. And so whether it's stewarding your family well, whether it's being a man of your word, whether it's managing your finances the way he would want you to, whether you show up to work every single day with a good attitude, even though you can't stand your boss, you do it unto the Lord, whether you honor him by paying your taxes, whether you Honored by what you look at on your phone. All those things are ways that the Lord is teaching you and preparing you so that you can handle more. So steps of faith, some of it is just a step of faith to I mean to show up to date night. Maybe it's a step of faith to delete an app on your phone. Maybe it's a step of faith to stop watching TV for three hours a night or looking at social media two hours a day. Sometimes those little steps of faith, it's like when I gave away my clothes at 16, that's why I could give away hundreds of thousands of dollars today. It's all the same. It's just progressional. Freedom, faith, it's all progression. We go from glory to glory. Don't despise small beginnings.
0: To your point, I think of multiple times over my life where I have asked the Lord, please create this massive breakthrough. Please open this door. And the Lord always asks me this question, what's in your hands right now? Yeah. And I think that's what he's asking all of us. And that's what you're saying. Right. And let's be obedient and say yes to the things that are in our hands right now. What are you doing with that?
1: Yeah. I'll just say one last thing to that. Let's talk about generosity. Cause when, when I talk about giving, people are like, well, that's great for you. Well, I would tell you that all of us are called to be extravagantly generous. And I, I'll say this generosity is above the tithe and extravagant generosity should hurt. You should feel it. I feel generosity. Like we compare ourselves to the person who gave the penny. And we're like, I'm giving more than her. Yeah, but it's not generosity because you're not stewarding well, so you can't give more. So you got to steward the 90 so that you can live a generous life. But when you talk about the ingredients, when we think about the when the prophet goes to the woman and he says, hey, go make me a loaf of bread. And she says, I I have nothing. I can't make anything for you. And he says, no, go make me a loaf of bread. And she's like, all I have is a little bit of olive oil and whatever she said, some some yeast or something like that. Well, what she just responded to him, she said, I have the ingredients for the bread, but she's like, I don't have any bread. And this is how so many of us act is God's like, I want you to be generous. You're like, yeah, but God, I only got 50 bucks in my account. Great. You have the ingredients or generosity. Well, God, you don't understand. I only make $3,000 a month. I, I can't be generous. We all have the ingredients to live a generous life. We just don't think it's enough. We don't think it's going to make that much of a debt yet. All throughout scripture, we see God take, we see him take 300 men and defeat an army with Gideon. We see God take five loaves and two fish and feed 15,000 people. The multiplication that happens with just a little of what you have matched with a little bit of faith can do wonder. So you have the ingredients to be generous. You have the ingredients to be a great parent or a great spouse or to be a great worker. Just got to use them.
0: It's so powerful. As we finish here, Aaron, what's a a final thought you'd like to share before we pray?
1: Yeah, I would just encourage you guys. Every single one of you has had the Lord probably putting things on your heart to do, and you've hesitated or you've resisted. When I ask my kids to go take out the trash, and I come back 20 minutes later, and the trash isn't still taken out, I'm like, Hey, I thought I told you to take it. Oh, don't worry, I'm going to get to it. No, you disobeyed. I told you to take out the trash. So delayed obedience is disobedience. And I would encourage anybody listening who the Lord has spoken to you to do something, and you've delayed. Don't disobey. Say yes. Like take take that step of faith. Don't stay safe in that boat another day. Keep the perspective of it says I'd rather drown in those waters of impossibility than stay safe in that boat. Because out there, that's where miracles happen. Out there, that's where souls get changed for eternity. Out there, that's where nations get won for the. I don't want to be like those 11 disciples. I want to be like Peter. And even if I sink, I know he's going to catch me, but I would rather walk on those waters. So then get out of the safety, get out of the boat, get out of the mundane, out of the routines, begin to believe that your life can truly mean something. And the faith even is so insignificant that you think, man, I don't even have faith for much. It's okay. Take that little step of faith. This giving away clothes at 16 can equal a lot more 20 years later is progressional but start with something
0: small. You'll get there. How can people find out more about you and connect with you, Aaron?
1: Yeah, you can just connect with me through our our ministry, which is 33rd Company, website's 33rd33rdcompany.org and uh, learn more about us there or shoot me an email.
0: Perfect. As we finish, we'd love to have you pray for our listeners, please.
1: Yeah. First of all, we take authority over every spirit of fear and we command you to leave in the name of Jesus. Every lie of darkness that would come and speak insignificance, every lie of darkness that would come and remind people of the failures of their past or the times when it didn't work out. Lord, I pray you remind them today of what your word says about them. Lord, I pray fresh identity of who they are in Christ. And Lord, I pray for faith to be deposited in their hearts. Lord, I pray that they would begin to say yes every time you move upon them. They would walk in obedience They would get outside the safety of that boat. They would trust that even though what they might have in their hands might seem small, Lord, that they would give it to you. They would submit it to you and partner with you this year, that this would be the year of the supernatural for them. This would be a year of radical faith, radical obedience, radical generosity. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Aaron. Loved your story. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, man. It was fun. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening.